This is the story about... I want to do it too. Okay, one, two. This is Precious Lives. Stories about kids. Teens. Teens. Guns. Guns. And how we end the violence. Bye-bye. Because, because we are precious. Because we are precious. This is Precious Lives. Oscar Grant, Michael Brown, Philando Castile, Dontre Hamilton, Jay Anderson, Seville Smith. The names of black people shot and killed by police in the last few years add up. The popular narrative is that people either support the police or black people. For Milwaukee police officer Lawson Morrell, that's a false choice. He's using several lenses when he looks at a situation. Being a Christian, being a man, being an African-American, and then I think after all of those things, as a law enforcement officer. In September, he watched a video of Terrence Crutcher being shot as he raised his arms in the air on a Tulsa, Oklahoma highway. I looked at that video much the same as you and everybody else looked at that video, and I just, I was horrified and sickened. And, and quite honestly, embarrassed for my profession. Officer Morell recently became the community liaison officer for District 7. His task helped Sherman Park move forward after an officer from his district fatally shot Seville Smith in August. Precious Lives producer Aisha Turner brings us this story. At a tree where Seville Smith was killed, a makeshift memorial has become a test of police community dynamics. This is my peak window. Maxine Jeter spends her nights on a green velvet chair in her sitting room. She peers out behind a couple of stained glass window mountings to see what's happening down the block. See here? If you sit here, mm-hmm. you can look down back and you can see the balloons. The balloons and t-shirts that form the memorial for Seville Smith. And then at night, when I have my bl- I close the blinds, I can look through it and people can't see me looking out. For weeks after the shooting, police in District 7 fielded complaints almost constantly. Officer Morrell said neighbors around 44th and Hour began to worry about the crowds at the memorial. Blocked alleys, people pee behind garages, people are gambling, people are smoking drugs, people is open, people getting drunk, loud music. Like If Maxine stepped out into her garden, she would catch a whiff of the thick smoke in the air. After a while, I'm just tired of it. I can't go out here every night and get contact high. The situation was frustrating for her and scary for her granddaughter, four-year-old Zion. I need to be able to have my grandchild go outside that door ride her back and feel safe and not be afraid. I take her to the bus stop, she holds my hand. She holds my hand, I mean she holds it tight. Maxine certainly empathizes with Seville's family. She even made the flower arrangements for his funeral. And she said the family tried to keep things calm on her street, but they can't control people all the time. What really irritated her at first was the lack of police presence. They already gave us up. She thought the police sacrificed the neighborhood in order to please people at the memorial. They had a hands-off policy, and to me, it was like saying, let them have the neighborhood. Whatever they want to do to that neighborhood, they could do. Hands-off. Officer Morell was in a tough spot. Pushing the crowd too hard would add to community police tensions. Ignoring police from neighbors would, too. People took advantage of the fact that this area was not being policed. I think that's evident. He got to know Maxine and the other neighbors when he started canvassing the area. It's one thing to hear that this stuff happens in the neighborhood. It's another thing to look at some a resident in their eyes and they ask you, well, why aren't you doing something about it? Like, I pay taxes for you, right? You got the badge, you got your fancy little uniform. Why aren't you going over there and saying something? He knew the situation was escalating. So he started making phone calls. He wanted to find someone who could get a handle on all the rowdy behavior. I tried to personally reach out to people in the community, leaders in the community, so that they could intervene. 
He knew relying on a heavy police presence to calm things down would make things even worse. And that's 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 one of the, I guess, the luxuries of having someone that's from the community and that's that's in uniform. I didn't have to think twice about who I should be contacting. He didn't want to say on Mike who he called. He wasn't sure they'd want to be associated with the police. Some relationships have to stay private. But, I mean, it was, it's the sort of cooperation that you would hope that the community has. It was the sort of relationship and causes you would hope that the community could take and also make in times where things, you know, got a little sticky between the police and the community. Ultimately, though, the handcuffs did come out. It happened on August 30th, two days before Officer Morrell officially moved into his role as the District 7 Community Liaison Officer. The scratchy cell phone video captured a standoff between police and a group of citizens at 44th and Hour. This is State Representative Jonathan Brustoff being arrested by the police for doing absolutely nothing. He was out here aiding the community. Over a dozen people were arrested. A live stream captured a dark, calm street. Commenters on Facebook questioned whether the arrests were valid. And just in case you guys wanted to know, all of that over there, like all that you can't see, that's all police presence. Just all. For no reason. There's nobody else out here. Officer Morrell wasn't there at night for the arrests, so he can't speak to whether they were justified. But when he was out during the day, he took some painful hits. You house nigga, Uncle Tom, you do out here doing these white folks' work, and I'm like, I, I mean, I gotta take all that. I listen to it. I understand where it's coming from. But at the same time, it's like when people say very, you know, what would be considered hurtful things to somebody who is from the community, of the community, the kind of officer that people claim to want more of in the community, all of these emotions spilled out. And it was like, to me, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a telling moment. He understands his loyalty may always be questioned. He wishes his community would understand that before he was a cop, he was just Lawson Morrell, another black man. As a teenager, he was stopped by the police so often that the events now blur together. But I got pulled over, like, seriously, 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 not exaggerating. I got pulled over, like, every weekend. I was sat on cars. I had police put their guns on me, talk to me, like, uh, to say rude would be an understatement, I think. When I went into the academy, I went into the academy with the mindset that I would not be like that. To this day, it's it's been a rare occasion where I've had to sit anyone on a curb because I know how demeaning that can be. He's also a father. He has three kids. The oldest two are boys. So each time a police killing of a black man makes headlines, it's personal. If my son was getting pulled over with the frequency with which I got pulled over as a teenager, I would be pulling my hair out because I, I know how easily encounters go wrong. So he prepares his kids and their friends for interactions with the police. He wants them to be cautious, but also comfortable. I put my uniform on as much as I can around my son's friends. You don't have to be frightened. You don't have to be, you know, shook when you come around the police. You can talk to the police. That's what he wants for his whole community, to know that, yes, some police officers mess up, but many more are on their side. Officer Morell is in the process of planning a listening session for District 7. He wants to find out what residents need to improve the relationship with police. Precious Lives is produced by 371 Productions in association with WUWM, WNOV, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and the Wisconsin Center for Investigative Journalism. We're supported by the Isabel and Alfred Bader Fund and the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. Music by Kiran V.